of your eye, huddled in the darkest shadows of imagination, it waits. Now is the time to face the fear. Welcome to Horror Lasagna. Embrace the trepidation. Season 2, episode 8, The Mouse. The Doesn't Mouse. Doesn't matter which, which uh, language you're saying it in. Apparently not. That's really yeah. crazy. Yeah. I don't know about you, but this is a difficult film to watch. Yes. Um, it, it, It's a little painful. It's And you can come at it from three different angles, and we'll talk about all three now. Yeah. It's a Spanish film, which blows me away, because it's a Spanish yeah. film from 2018. Written by a Spanish writer and directed by the same guy. His name's Ye Herrero. He's a 42-year-old director from the province of Asturias on the northern coast of Spain. He was a law student, but gave it up to study film making in Madrid. Wow. He's directed four movies. Mouse is the only full-length film on the entire list. Okay. So it's his first big one. Wow, out of, interesting uh, choice. And yeah, out of the four films, he's been nominated for 18 awards and won six of them. Wow. So uh, I guess he made a good choice yeah. <laughs> in his career. <laughs> two of them were for Mouse. But again, this is the whole weird international world of movies. You have this Spanish writer and director who wrote a movie called The Mouse, which is in this case Germanic for uh, Mouse. And it takes place in Bosnia-Herzegovina and is about the Croat-Serb war from the 1990s. Yes. And it's in English. Yes. <laughs> that threw me off. Yeah. Just, it just doesn't a, start, though. Very beginning, I'm like, okay, subtitles, I'm good with that. But It's really funny because all the stuff I looked up for this, I don't actually know what they speak. I'm guessing it's Serbian? Yeah. It's- In Bosnia-Herzegovina. So you have the main character, Alex, who speaks German because he's from Germany. And his girlfriend, Selma, who's from Bosnia-Herzegovina, does not speak German. She speaks Serbian, which he does not, but they both speak English. Right. So they speak English when they're together so they can understand each other. Yeah, it's, it's odd. Yeah. It's an- in the beginning, I felt I wasn't sure of the movie. I didn't look up information. I just wanted to watch it. And the very beginning with the close up of her in the woods, it's, it, I thought, oh, this is like a medieval thing or something. But it just gave that whole impression, which he does throughout the whole movie very well. We'll talk about that yes. more too. The film has a little tiny cast. There's only six actually spoken parts in the entire, and the vast majority of the film only focuses on, on four of them because one of them, one of the speaking parts is in a flashback. Yep. And the other other cast part that's listed in the cast is the mouse, which is like the monster beastie of the thing. She never speaks throughout the movie. So Right. And that that's gonna be interesting at that part too. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I, I, I made a note. I said, okay, so how do I classify this? And I changed it as I kept watching. Yes. It, it's definitely psychological, but not like Silence of the Lamb. You right. get PTSD in there. And is it psychological or is it supernatural when things start happening? It was definitely a weird one. But if you like martyrs, you'll probably like this. It's got some yeah. similar uh, themes in it. But it's it something we would not have enjoyed when we were kids. <laughs> no, not at all. And it's the movie Herrero really likes to luxuriate on really long shots. Yeah. So there are a lot of times where like this screen will just go black and you'll be like, Did something just happened to my, whatever you're watching it on because the screen's black for probably 45 seconds yeah. before anything happens. He definitely had something in mind when he went into this movie and he took his time and did it exactly how he had it. envisioned. He, he, he probably should have back in the eighties changed careers and looked into doing YouTube videos. I mean, he would have been perfect for Bono. And and he does the setting. We're basically one location. We're in a forest. That's it. We do go into a place that's in the forest. 
for a little bit, but it's still within the forest. There's that's it. That's the locations. <laughs> yeah, there is one flashback scene that takes place at a park in Germany. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know if I even really count that too much. It's a minute. <laughs> yeah, the actors who are in this come from all over the place. Um, yeah, Bosnia, Serbia, Croatia, mm-hmm. uh, Germany. August Witten's Wittgenstein plays Alex, and he's the boyfriend. He's done 40 movies, and they're almost all German films. He was in Angels and Demons, that uh, Tom Hanks sequel to... That that other really... Which is actually funny, because in the book series, that's the first book. Oh, is it? Yeah. Da Vinci Code. Yeah, Angels and Demons was Dan Brown's first book with that character, and then Da Vinci Code was actually the second book. He was also in The Crown. The series about the royal family. Yeah. And he was in, I never knew they did this, uh, but of course, why would I? It was in Germany. They did a television series based on Das Boot, which is the famous oh. uh, 1970s Germanic uh, submarine movie. So he was in that as well. It wasn't um, anything like Hogan's Heroes or anything, was it? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, if it is, they really missed uh, <laughs> missed the theme and the flavor there. Um, Alma Terzik plays Selma, his girlfriend. She's been in 20 movies overall. You won't know any of them. And she looked like, it's almost like she looks familiar, but I like, nah, I don't know her from anywhere. Yep. They're all Bosnian, Yugoslavian films. Alexander Sexton has been in 44 movies. You wouldn't know him. I think he's the guy who played Vuk in the movie. Diana Fernandez Perez only has three movies on her CV. And she plays the girl at the end in the flashback. Okay. A little tiny thing. Sanin Milovic has been in 12 movies, including a Yugoslavian one and a Bosnian Herzegovina television show. And he played Miloš. Yeah, Milos. Yes. Okay. And Ella Jazz been in nine other things all of them are television shows one of the shows is called club megatrix which i thought was a catchy name for a tv show mouse is the only full-length feature film on the list and she plays the mouse this movie has three basic ways you can look at it and i'm sure there's way more than that but as i was watching it you can look at this movie as an actual political statement on what happened to the Bosniaks during the Croatian Serbian war. Yes. And the first time I saw it, I completely missed that. The second time I saw it, when it gets to the end, she's, I was as a child, I was told to cry and someone would come to help, come for my help. And I was like, you could say that the Bosniaks did that during the genocide and the rest of the world did nothing. And lots yeah. of, you could look at it as a political statement. You could look at it as a movie where you have this guy who's just gaslighting his girlfriend the entire thing. And she is right the entire time. And what a complete loser this guy is. Yeah, I've got some comments about him at the end. But then the third one is you can watch this and as it's going, you can be like, she's definitely overreacting to stuff. And this probably did not have to happen the way it did because she was freaking out about the fact that she's Bosniak in Bosnia, Herzegovina talking to two Serbs because they start out pretty straight up guys you know what i mean yeah but whether they're completely shady down to the core or <laughs> right. not i mean um, if you were going to really try and capture someone kidnap them uh you probably wouldn't want to come on too strong at the very beginning you know it's easier to get them i i, I saw i was thinking that too which way is it because the way he films things you don't know at times is this what's really happening or is this what's in right. and that is, it's one of those very classic movie and tropes in the TV shows and stuff. Somebody takes something that's going to mess with them psychologically. So you wonder the whole time. That's that little, one of the things we, we need to do just to establish for younger listeners out there <laughs> in the end of the eighties, start of the nineties, the Soviet union fell. Yugoslavia was a Soviet union state. 
and it was coming apart as well. And when it did, you had this region that had Croatia and Bosnia and Herzegovina and Serbia and Montenegro, and they just shattered into basically six different places. And the problem was that the Croatians on the west, on the east side, wanted independence. And the Serbians, who were on the opposite end, wanted to be back with Yugoslavia. And so this war broke out, and it took place in Bosnia and Herzegovina, because it's in between the two. And so this war lasted through a lot of the 90s, and there were UN peacekeepers sent in, but I don't know that any nation really took a stand to support one side or the other. Because they weren't important enough in the world. View not that's just how everybody viewed it. Yeah, there's no plutonium under the ground. There's no oil under the ground. There, we'll just right. let them churn their wheels and figure it out. <laughs> Especially like in our area, you have you still have strongly Serbian pockets of people and Croatian pockets of people, and they have serious opinions on this <laughs> war. But I think we can all agree the people who lost the most were the Bosniaks, who are Muslim. And Slobodan Milosevic, the Serbian ruler at the time, just decided he was going to kill them all. And so he would have them rounded up and and just execute thousands of them and put them in a mass grave. And everybody's just like, okay, whatever. From the viewpoint of this story, if you take it from that. And it's, yes, it's definitely one of those history lessons that you probably learn more watching than you did in history. Absolutely, yes. And oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, the worst part for us is that's when we were just getting out of school. So we had gone through all those years with learning geography, and then they just changed it. Yeah. So that's- yeah. <laughs> you had Yugoslavia, the Soviet Union. Now you had a million Baltic states. and yeah. Right. Yeah. Honestly, through the years, how many times has that happened where somebody mentions a country, you're like, where the hell is that? I've never heard of that country. It's new. You know yeah. I mean? So- in this movie, we start out with Selma, and she is saying a prayer. And it's Yah Hafizu, the protector. And in the Muslim tradition, Al-Hafiz is one of the names of Allah. And the Yah Hafizu is a prayer that you recite. And those who recite Yah Hafizu 16 times daily will be kept safe from disaster. It really, when you look at it, there's there's a lot of names of Allah, and they all have different prayers that you say depending on the situation that you find yourself in. It reminded me a lot of Catholicism and like the saints, right? Yeah. You have a patron saint for this and a patron saint for that. She is saying this prayer, which marks her as Muslim. And especially if you're not familiar with this section of the world, Viewers might be shocked to see she's got blonde hair and blue eyes because she's not from the Middle East. She's from Bosnia-Herzegovina, and that's where they happen. They are in Bosnia, headed to catch a flight to Sarajevo to fly out to return to uh, Germany, where her boyfriend, Alex, is from, and she apparently is a student there as well. They have their dog. Steve, sorry. Uh, Yeah, I think you're getting to this. The very first thing he does. Is just let the dog go in the woods. Yes. <laughs> just let him go. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You're an idiot, but whatever. Yeah. But you knew that what was going to happen at that point. <laughs> He's German. She's nervous because she's back in Bosnia. And there are three languages spoken in the first six minutes of this film. Because he speaks in German a bit. She's speaking in, uh, I'm assuming, Serbian. And then they're both speaking to each other in English. Right. Yeah. She doesn't want to go into the forest. She says it's dangerous. There are mines out there, Alex. And mines were uh, landmines were frequently used in this conflict in the 90s. He says there isn't because he's got a map. Look, right here on the map, it shows you <laughs> right where all of the mines are. He told me, yeah, you are an idiot. I don't yes. live in that area. I've not lived through a war zone. But come on, from everything you've heard, that they're still picking up mines in Vietnam from 50 yes. years ago. <laughs> yes. This was much, much more recently. We should point out that the whole reason they're having this conversation is because he was driving their vehicle and got it stuck, buried up to the axle. Oh, he is an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So they're stuck. She doesn't want to go into the forest. 
because it's dangerous and there's mines out there. He's dismissive of her concern. And he points out to her how attached she is to her Hamalitia, which is this necklace that she has. And the Lilijan is it's the golden lily of the Bosniaks, who are the Bosnian Muslim. So if you knew enough between the prayer and her necklace, the director tells you exactly everything you need to know about her. They are in Bosnia. She is Bosnian. She is a Bosniak, meaning she is a Bosnian Muslim. They were horribly persecuted during the war. And you had this, they call him Europe. It's like a, hey, Europe. Yeah. You have this German guy who's just, that's not a big deal. Which is part of that political statement. Because when was the last time Germany was involved in land wars? That they, Maybe when they were on horses and stuff. They don't like to talk about the last time <laughs> Germany was involved in land wars. That's true. Okay. You're right. But that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's really like us. I've not had to worry about walking down the street and getting bombed. We we have not had that issue. And yes. she has, he hasn't, and he's treating it very flippantly. And yes, I like definitely what you said about that with the beginning because the writer did a fantastic job of setting everything up and giving you all the information without some big stupid info dump or awkward speech or anything like that. It, it, you've had to watch and figure it out it was very good very masterful yeah 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 the, the amount of information he gets across just so efficiently done and as soon as they do get out of the vehicle there's two things that sh- that that struck me you know after i was watching it for my second or third time one the actress who plays selma is very beautiful yes as is the forest they're standing in. yes both of them are very beautiful. They're very disarming. She doesn't, she seems more frightened than threatening. And the forest just seems quiet and primeval. It's just there. Isn't that, wasn't that National Geographic, I think? Very famous photo of that one girl, Afghanistan, maybe. Yeah, she's from bright, Afghanistan. Bright, bright blue eyes. I, mm-hmm. I just saw a news article about her recently. She's, I don't know, 40, 50 or something like that. It was that same thing. She's a very beautiful girl, but. They had guns and stuff. It's not what we're used to, our world. Yes. He refers to her as mouse, which is is spelled M-A-U-S, but it's German for mouse, the small little timid rodent. And he tells her she'll be safe with him. Yeah, not so much. So they're going to walk off to the nearest town. They were back in Bosnia for a funeral. And it's really funny because the way he sets it up, it sounds like they were back in Bosnia for a funeral for her grandmother. You come to find out her grandmother's not deceased. She came back for a funeral at the behest of her grandmother, and we'll find out who the funeral is for in a bit. They're walking along. He points out that he wants to know more about her, what happened to her in Bosnia, forest, her necklace. So, yeah, this kind of seems like a big trip for them to take for him not knowing a whole lot about her. And she contemplates telling him. And then we hear that, hey, maybe it's a Spanish thing. I didn't even think of that till now because Herrera's from Spain. But there's that insectile clicking that you get in Guillermo del Toro films a lot. Whenever there's something supernatural about to happen, it sounds like cicadas. Right. And there's a mysterious figure in the distance. Yes. And this guy uses depth of field so well. Oh, and and the focus, where he focuses, and Mm -hmm. how long the camera shot is. Yeah, it's really good. So you can see her perfectly crystal clear. You can see the forest. It gets fuzzier as it goes back. And then you see what looks to be a thin human figure all blurred out in the background. She says someone's out there, and he says he's going to check it out. And he doesn't see anything. And she says something about fog, and he doesn't see any fog. And she refers to what she sees as an it. She doesn't say he was over there or she was over there. She says it was over there. It's not there. And then they see this Jeep. There's just a Jeep out there in the middle of the woods. It appears to be abandoned, not like it's been sitting there forever, but there's nobody nearby. And he just pulls a bag out of the front seat and starts going through it. She's, what are you doing? And he's, I'm getting us help. And he finds a radio and starts calling for help. My thinking was, because in a minute we're, we're going to get to another section here, but if you've got people, a Jeep and people missing, 
not around it. You got to wonder what happened to them. Where are they? Yeah, where are they? Especially when the first two things you pull out of the bag that you pulled out of the front seat are a long length of rope and a very nice looking knife. Right. He starts calling for help. He's hearing voices on the other end of the radio that doesn't make any sense to him. So he holds the radio out for Selma and he's talked to them and she just like leaves. She turns and she's put it away and she takes off. Now I didn't, I was wondering if she heard something that spooked her that we didn't know for sure. But I was thinking this was like the triangle where they were hearing themselves you know, uh-huh. from another time, which it, it really wasn't because it wasn't that type of movie, but he does make a phone call later. I was like, oh, but I don't think that's what it was. But uh, that was it almost threw me off because I was trying to get too much out of that. But this scene where she walks off was fantastic, too. Yeah, because, again, the depth of field comes into play. And it's uncut. And- they're, they're following really yeah. close. I, they, they focus a lot on the, the guy, the boyfriend close up throughout the movie, whereas her, they get back a lot and get around yeah. that close view and that worldview analogy thing yeah the other thing that i thought was uh, that i was thinking when i heard the radio part they're really good about subtitling when they're speaking in foreign languages and they did not subtitle anything on the radio that was coming through right and it her instant reaction she's nervous to start with and she's paying attention to what he's pulling out of the bag that's frightening enough but i wondered if there was like something in their accent or the way they were speaking, that she's these guys aren't even Bosnian, they're Serbian, and maybe that's what set her off. I also wondered if maybe she was having a flashback right there, a war flashback, and what she heard was something she heard during the whole conflict. She wasn't actually hearing what was on there. Uh, oh, that's a good point. It might have, yeah, there might have not been anything. It might have all been in her head. Right. We find out she's in her head a lot through this. A movie. whole lot. The whole, um, arguably, with the ending, the whole movie might have been in her head. Could have been. It could have been. <laughs> Alex finds her and apologizes for making her uncomfortable. And uh, she says the necklace came from her father and it's her guardian angel. And Alex is like, I'm your guardian angel now. The dog starts barking. And Alex goes after it, leaving Selma alone. Then you get the insect noise again. And a fog starts to roll in. This time we actually see the fog. It's a really long scene, and it does a great job of building up tension. And there's this blurred figure behind her as she heads off into the fog, and the insect clicking is following her along. So that supernatural element is coming along with her. The fog goes away, and suddenly she finds herself standing in front of Milos and Vuk, who instantly accuse her of stealing a bag that's their bag, and then they call her sexy. Yeah. which both of them are fairly demeaning. They tell her it's dangerous out there because there's mines, and they assume that she can't understand what she's, they're saying because she doesn't answer them. She's not speaking for fear they'll hear her voice and figure out that she's Bosniak, so she turns to leave, and they tell her to stop. She calls for Alex, and there's this exploding sound, and she's on the ground. Yeah. Now, we've heard a lot about mines, and so you're like, oh, you know, Back to the martyrs thing. Oh, here's this main character. Is she dead already? Are we on to something else? Uh, unfortunately, right before that, you heard the dog barking. So I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> she hits the ground. Vuk lands on top of her and tells her he's going to kill her quietly. He tells her he recognizes that smell of her perfume and tells her to welcome home and proceeds to just rape her right there on the floor of the forest. But then she wakes up. She's on the ground. And none of that happened. Yeah. That was that that threw me for a moment. I was like, wait a second. Because I didn't expect that. And at but, this stage I'm sorry, at this, if it's the war thing. Right. At this stage of the movie, that definitely colors your perception of these two guys they met. Yes. Vuk shows up and Alex is there. Vuk shows up and tells him that the dog's dead. It's not dead. It's dying. It's kaput. It's kaput. <laughs> Which was almost humorous to me in a sad way, but I'm using kaput because we understand that. I thought that was an interesting thing. So what ended up happening is the dog hit the landmine. Yeah. It, the blast knocked Selma off her feet and shook her up a bit. 
Milos is going to put the dog out of it. Alex tries to stop him. Book's trying to explain to him that it's for the best. And then Selma, out of nowhere, just no longer scared, no longer questioning, no longer hiding her identity, gets very serious and tells Vuk to let Alex go. And now he realizes that she's actually from the area. He's like, oh, here, translate. And he wants her to translate to um, Alex what's going on. And she's the worst translator ever. <laughs> because every time someone tells her to translate something, she really doesn't. She just stands there and stares at people. Alex goes over and covers up the dog, and she comes over and she tells him they need to get out of there. Because Who? Keanu Reeves is on his way to get revenge for the dog. What's That's happened? right. That's right. <laughs> Vuk hears that her name is Selma, and he tells her the forest is dangerous. And that's what they're out there for. The two of them are out there just to protect travelers in this remote section of Bosnia-Herzegovina from landmines. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the best you can come up with. <laughs> yeah. He tells her that Alex and she and Alex are now their responsibility. Alex wants to go with them, and Selma wants nothing to do with them. So Milos and Vuk, aside from being a bit shady-seeming, appear to actually be a pair of decent guys up to this point. Selma is insistent they don't go with these guys. Alex is insisting they do. She tells them they're in danger, and she starts to walk a few feet away, and then she like lays down. And she has a wound from the blast on her side. Alex is trying to call for help on his phone while he's doing that book and milos are just making a litter like right away to carry her off which looked good for them uh, you mm -hmm. know, but again i'm watching looking at alex going wait a second you had to walk away from the car but now you're calling somebody for help and what's your directions we're in the forest help really that, yeah that is, oh sorry just you and i we've been enough in the forest you can't just say i'm in the forest it, it could yeah. be 500 square miles of forest. Good luck finding Milos and Vuk. Milos and Vuk are making a litter and they make a bet that the line will go dead. Because and, he calls a cop. He gets a hold right. of a cop. And of course it does. So Milos owes Vuk like 20 euros or whatever it was. But he lost reception or the cop hung up? That's a great question. I would assume it was reception because uh, it's in a slightly underdeveloped part of Europe in the middle of a forest. Which I thought too, but the way those two were talking about the line going dead, I wondered if they knew the cop would be like, I'm not dealing with crazy whoever. Just like the cops don't do things or they're lazy or they don't deal with people that aren't their nationality, whatever. I, I don't know. I question that, but it's not important. So um, Milos and Fuchs say they're going to take them to their hideout. Literally. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it turns out they actually speak English, and Alex finds out when he says "fucking Bosnians," and Vuk replies, "We're not Bosnians, we're Serbs. So let the fucking Serbs help your Bosniak girl." And in that one line, we know that Milos and Vuk understand everything that they've been saying back and forth, and they recognize her as Bosniak, and they are Serbian. Yeah, so there's your big conflict. Yeah, just pour the milk on the cereal. That was just bam right there. It's all done. They know what she is. But they still put her on the litter. They're carrying her away. Milos makes some joke. What good is a woman? Yeah. She's a decoration around her pussy. And I'm like, wow, that is uber misogynistic. <laughs> that, was, that was the worst. I, but it, the weird thing is, it, that was where it really put them in a really different light where you weren't questioning it too much because that was totally there. It's like everything else has been acting up to this point. Uh, yeah. And that was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. She's right. These guys are the worst. Yeah. They arrive at the camp and the camp, uh, or their hideout and their hideout is actually a bunker. It's an old war bunker buried in the ground underneath, um, underneath the forest floor. And uh, Alex says, we're not going in there. And Milos says, look, I'm sorry, but you're not on your honeymoon anymore. This is what we have to work from. Selma wakes up and Alex tells her not to worry about anything. He's her guardian angel. And while he's standing there saying that, Vuk shoots him. Bam. Yeah. And then drags her away by her hair. 
and he and Milos take her into the hole in the ground, and the screen goes black. You can imagine all kinds of horrible things happening to her because she's screaming through the blackness. And when the image comes back up, Luke and Milos hit her until her just the beginning. And it then it just flows seamlessly into a flashback of the day, and you see what actually happened when she was a little girl. And when this happens, you realize maybe they didn't really shoot Alex. And maybe they really didn't just drag her by her hair down into this. It was the day that her father was ethnically cleansed right in front of her. She was there when he was shot. Before he shot, he hands her a necklace and the Serbian shoulders soldiers take him away and shoot him. And the screen goes black and we hear Soma crying. And the blackness melts away to reveal that she's laying down and there's firelight and someone's shushing her and stroking her face and it's Alex telling her it was all just a bad dream. It's important to note that it wasn't all just a bad dream, though. Part of it was just a memory of what had actually happened to her and her people in this place. And I do like that he used a bunker. Again, that really emphasizes the political statement about the war. Uh, Yeah. Because you're in a forest. Who expects a bunker in the middle of a big forest like that? But again, these weren't big countries. So they didn't have the billions of dollars budget for the air. These were guys on the ground with guns walking through the land. And I think it actually puts a little more concreteness to the conflict itself, because a lot of us heard about it and it sounded just guys running through the woods, shooting at each other. But no, here is an actual structure that is built under the ground of this forest. So it wasn't something small for the people who were there. This was war yeah, and it lasted for years. And, and so, the bunker in the, the mines, I mean, that's some horrific Boy Scout camping stories there. We, we never dealt with that. We still don't deal with that. But these right. people still are decades later. To this day. Yep. Alex tells her he's got good news and bad news. The good news is she's going to be fine. And the bad news is they missed their plane. Which was my type of joke. That's something I'd say and get in trouble for. Milos and Vuk have dressed the wound, and he tells her it's nothing serious. They are actually in the bunker. They get a generator up and running, and lights come on to reveal that Milos and Vuk are down in the compound as well. And she tells Alex it's crap, and he ignores her. Milos, Let me interrupt here again. They said they're helping people walk through the forest. We know they're lying, okay? But seriously, if what you want to do in life is kidnap people, and whatever reason, I don't know if they chose the best location for that. I mean, if you really want to be successful at that, this doesn't seem like you get a lot of traffic. You bring up a good point, and I think about it, and I'm like, I don't think that's why they were in the forest. I think it was just opportunity presented itself. I agree. Because if you're going to hold people for hostage, and there's two of them, you're going to want more than just two of them. Just because you're only leaving one person to guard two people when someone else goes to you know, mail a ransom letter. And they never answer this in the story, uh, but you wonder what these two really are doing in the forest. That uh, was a are they question. hiding out? I mean, Maybe. Are they still from the war? Or are they like some of our certain peoples that don't think the war ended and they're still trying to continue it? I mentioned Hogan's Heroes. Wasn't there that one crazy guy? from the Japanese war that kept showing up in it. And then they're like, try, always trying to tell them that, that war is over or something. Yeah. It, there's a lot of questions they don't answer. And I think they're, while they're, they'd be interesting to hear the answers to, they're immaterial to the story itself. Jeez. Sorry. Which, oh, that's fine. Which again, is the difference between American movies and other countries. A lot of times we've seen yeah, that. They would have gone through and ex- we would already know that these guys are wanted criminals or escaped from some insane asylum kind of deal. Milos pulls out a bottle of schnapps and he drinks it and he tells Selma to drink some. Her father would have liked it and she spits in his face. Which is like good for her. Yes. When she does that, Milos grabs for her hair and she pulls out his knife. Alex yells at her, yells at her. And asks her if she realizes what would happen if she had used this. We find out later she knows exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, she's, <laughs> she's right. pretty good with a knife. He continues to berate her, and she says that scum like that killed my whole family. And he's like, the war's over, and not all Serbs are bad people. 
She says she calls him naive. He calls her paranoid, and then she slaps him. And he threatens her to never slap him again. Which I don't think she's that worried about him. <laughs> no. <laughs> her, her, her priority of concern is right where it should be. Then he says she'll end up getting them both killed. She doesn't back down and tells him, you got us into this. Now do something to get us out of here. There is one of the few times at the start of this movie where you're like, she's not the scared little girl running through the forest. The first one was when they told, when she told Luke to let go of Alex back when the dog died. And another one happens right here where you're like, oh no, she's a very serious thing. She's not just the pretty bobble that you see at the start of the movie. She definitely grew up in a war zone. She was young when things were starting and she was on her own then. So you got to imagine what she did, what she survived. And she's, you see all those stereotypical movies and stuff, the rebels with the guns, the kids, and that's what they grew up in. That's what she grew up in. She's obviously trying to move on and have a better life now, but that's who she is at the heart of it. The Serbs went outside to smoke and cool down. Alex comes out and he starts by apologizing. The funeral, it turns out, was not for her grandmother. It was for her father and brothers who were found in a mass grave. The weather's been wet. The ground shifted. The grave opened up. People found it. They identified her father and her brothers from all the bodies. That's why she came back for this funeral. So this is super on the surface with her right now. Yeah. And he goes out to try and reason with these guys and talk to them. Uh, Really, they probably should have made him a man. He just has apparently Germany's the America of Europe. I, I, guess, I don't know. Maybe. Says it's a Bosniak thing. Uncontrollable women. That's just a Bosniak thing. That's just how they are. Milos obviously doesn't like him, but Vuk says to leave him alone. He's a nice guy. And at this point, I'm like, maybe there's, I should have known better, but you're like, maybe there's a peaceful solution in here somehow. Yeah. Uh, Milos leaves and Vuk and Alex are sharing a cigarette. Vuk tells Alex he likes him, but he doesn't like Selma. Alex gives Vuk his card and suggests that he just let him and Soma go. Just let us go. We'll go away. And then Vuk Which you be- got to wonder, too. Why would he even say that unless he suspected at least something of what she was saying? Because yeah. if you thought everything was fine, you're like, look, hey, we're just going to take off. Thanks for your help. So he, the way he worded it, obviously, there's a little tension somewhere with him. He, yeah. he gets a bit, of, at least a bit. Vuk starts rattling off directions on how to get out of the forest in Serbian. Alex is, I'm sorry, I don't understand. And Vuk's like, oh, it'll cost you 10,000 euros for me to translate. And he's like, our work costs money and you need to pay us money to help out the good work we're doing. Alex says not to worry about it. And then Milos hits him in the gut with the butt of the gun. Milos tells him not to let things get complicated. And we leave them out there beating on Alex a little bit. Selma is coming out of the bunker while this is happening, and Alex turns and is like, run! And she doesn't really have anywhere to run to. Through the minefield! Yeah. (laughs) Past these two guys. One's holding a gun. So she runs back into the bunker. And she grabs the knife from earlier and just disappears into the darkness of a black. That's 50 minutes to into this movie. So it's been a slow burn to get here. I've got those exact words. <laughs> but it's 40 minutes left. Yeah. And you're like, wow, okay. It wasn't even that long a credit. So we're used to, to yeah. Avengers, which is, this was just, it was like an old time. Soma is walking around with the knife out in a defensive posture between her and anybody who'd be coming to her in the front. That's the definitely ne- a I'm comfortable and skilled with knife the way she's handling it. She's got her necklace in her hand. And she pulls the chain off of her neck, and she's invoking Yahafitsu. And the camera pans to the right, and we see this wrapped-up, blurry female figure standing behind her. As she turns, though, she doesn't see it. Maybe she does. Right. She's used to it. She knows. I thought that earlier in the forest. Yeah. And then Milos is standing behind her, and he calls her name. He says she hasn't been very nice to him, but it doesn't matter. He forgives her. And then he proceeds to lean in to sniff her hair. When he does that, and and I just thought she's fiery in the first place. I don't know what he's hoping um, is going to happen here. I think it's that 
we're better than you. So this is recognize just- it. Yes. Yeah. He leans, leans, says he forgives her, leans in to sniff her hair. She slices the back of his neck. Excellent way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And he pulls back and his face actually looks shocked and hurt. I can't believe you did that to me. He's, he's a little kid. And then he proceeds to curse her dead mother. And the screen kind of goes black. And we hear some more knife plunges in the dark. And there's no more cursing coming from uh, Milos. <laughs> Poor Milos. And, yeah. she, and this is another thing. You always watch those movies where they stab them once in the shoulder and then walk away. They're not down. Do it like 10 more. And she does. Oh, man. Yes. She doesn't stop. Yeah. And then behind her, we see her. And behind her, we see this blurry figure. In the credits listed as the mouse, it pulls off its cloaks. And in the blurriness, it almost looks like this naked alien kind of figure. That's what I thought. It, yeah. it, it's like, where is this really going? Mm-hmm. Um, with that and, and you know after watching a little more it's okay is that thing real is it following her is it a, is she manifesting it or is that all in her mind because of the rest of the movie is this what great she question wants to Steve. Do? you know it, 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 yeah it, and that's, <laughs> i think that you know what he wanted you to be asking this figure walks over and like sits astride milos's body on the ground and the camera actually tightens up and you can see it's completely featureless it's got no eyes, no nose, no mouth. It's seemingly covered in like scars all over its body. Like mate, uh, martyr. Yeah. And it, it sits astride Milos's body on the ground, reaches down and snaps his neck. And then the music shifts because up until now it had been this ethereal, scary kind of tension building music. And now it builds into threatening music. You can hear Selma's voice saying, Yahafitsu. She's not moving her mouth, but you can hear her voice over. And she's holding up her knife and stalking off into the darkness. And it became more, not so much a protection chant as almost a, an on an, on the attack, almost yes. like a spell. Uh, yeah. It really took on that different quality. Yep. Maybe, uh, and I looked it up at that point. Cause I'm like, okay, hold on. I, I need to look this up because she really seems to be using a different, like she's summoning. Yeah. Now they do this in movies all the time and I get that it's, it's handy, but she's backing up she's yes. in a defensive posture walking backwards if it was me i would not be doing that i would take maybe three <laughs> steps back to get my back to a wall and then move along sideways so i can but see where i'm headed you're not as dramatic as she was i'm not we see vuk standing behind her out of focus with a gun as she's backing up she almost backed into him he hits her in the back of the head with the butt of it kicks away the knife Ask her where Milos is. He grabs her necklace and asks again, asks again, and she says, kaput. <laughs> yep, I love that. That was yeah. great. Uh, he grabs her by the throat and says he's a little disappointed, hoping she would have defended herself more. But they're all the same. Those Bosniaks, they like to be victims. He then says they'll enjoy themselves for a while, and he starts to count down like he's playing a game. He starts counting down and tells her to run. And she disappears in the darkness, and he fires off a couple shots. He hears a noise behind him, and he spins and fires. Now, my first issue with this guy in this scene is, your partner is nowhere to be found. It was just (laughs) her down here with a bloody knife. Why are you letting her go? And what if your partner's still there, and you hear him in the dark? Good point. Um, he's slowly. So maybe that's why they're still in the woods. Maybe they deserted because they're really not that good. She's yeah. way better than they are. He is slowly turning with his gun in the hand as the can camera pans in the opposite direction very slowly. Movies. It, it, this is pretty popular in film to do this. It, it adds this extra dimension of movement. And he's panning, and the whole thing plays out. I'll find you. You can't hide. Bang. And then little mouse. Bang. And he chuckles a little bit. Where have you gone to? When I've finished playing with you, I'll go play with Europe. Bang. And this keeps going. He just keeps doing this. He says he'll bury her so deep, no one will know she ever existed. This is a pretty good threat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This entire, that entire scene lasts for three whole minutes. The the director's mood and atmosphere setting throughout the whole movie. Yeah. He does a fantastic job of that. At the end of this three minutes, he lowers his gun, 
and turns to go elsewhere to go look for her. And Selma is right there in his face and slides the knife into him. Yahafitsu, she says. And she pulls the knife out slowly. Very slowly. <laughs> the camera pans back, revealing the mouse is standing just off of his left shoulder. And the shot where she stabs Luke and you see the mouse, that took over a minute. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That, it's got to be well done if you don't realize how long it's taking. Yeah. She then just terrifyingly from his perspective just melts into the blackness that was the best yeah and she's leaving the bunker she's out in the open air she finds alex is beat up by a tree and he's still telling her to run and she's holding him and then she tells him they're dead he seems confused and she tells him he's safe but now he's looking at her a little bit differently yeah since she said they're dead he heads down into the bunker and finds both of the serbs and he turns around and sees her there. And this Now she has her head covered, like she did at the start of the movie. Yes, which led me to the... That, that's the typical look we would see of a rebel uh, in the war. That was a stereotype look, I would say, if I yeah. was looking at it. Well, it's also common in Muslim culture for women True. to yes. have their head covered. And perhaps it's a, almost a way of saying thank you to Yahafitsu. Oh. Yeah, yeah, good point. Here, I had strayed from the path for a minute, and now I'm back on it. Thank you for the protection, kind of deal. I I took it more as she regressed back to what she was. That's that's a good one too. They're pulling the bodies out, which I was Um, like, why? Why leave them? Let the why? You're you're dragging them half a mile or whatever through mine fields and burying them. Why? I'm quite sure it was Alex's idea. Oh, yeah. He does not change his worldview throughout this not whole movie. Not in the slightest. Not, yes. not for the, the country, not for her, not for the world himself. He's very, this is how it is. Won't accept that not everything's like that all the time. Yeah. And there's this very subtle thing that happens when they're throwing them in this like shallow grave that they've prepared. Milos's head is separated from his body. Yes. So, like, they put Vuk down in there, and then she just tosses Milos's head, and it lands right down next to Vuk. It's not funny, but it, it's, it is in a way. It's that dark humor, definitely. It's that thing. if Because you never see her actually do that when it happens. If this had been an American film, <laughs> the camera would have gone straight to the severed head and, like, just sat there and froze for a while. And yeah, been she like, would have tied it to her belt for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Alex is just sitting there and she's, you wanted to understand me, didn't you? And she tells him, you can't imagine what they did to my family just because they were Muslims. They told her as a child to scream and someone would come to help. And did he hear her scream? She asks him where he was. And this is where I was like, oh my gosh, this is the director asking the rest of Europe, where were you while the Bosnian acts were screaming? And she's again, I, I, I chuckling because Alex just, doesn't get it doesn't accept any of it he's just yeah i i I, it's not dense it's just his world has been so different and he won't what's right in front of him and he never does yeah he he never does get it he glares at her and um begins helping her bury them and as he's doing it he sounds like this pouting kid right as he's doing it she gets up and walks away and when he calls to her she turns and mentions the hemalegia, the necklace that Vuk had pulled it off of her in the bunker, and she's going to go find it. As she's leaving, he hears a sound behind him. And I just want to take a second to point out the incredible sound work in this movie. It was incredible, just these little subtle sounds that they would put in, and it would let you know that something was happening. It was almost like a visual cue. That's how yeah. strong these were. And we've had quite a few movies like that. I think the whole sound effects in horror yeah. really can lend a lot to it. People don't understand that. That's why, this is my tech rant for a second. That's why I, I laugh. These people will go out and buy 85-inch TVs that have speakers this big on them. I'm like, yep. I'd rather get a smaller TV and get a good surround sound because that sound can make such a difference in a movie. 
Yeah. Vuk is still alive. That's what the sound is. But he's suffering, just like Alex's dog. So did she mean for that to happen? Because she stabbed Vilos, or Milos you know, two million times and cut his head off, whereas Vuk, she stabbed once and let it go and assumed but, he was dead, which, yeah. They always tell you there's nothing more painful than an abdominal injury like that. Right. Way back it, in the Old West, they did that. Yeah. 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 Alex picks up this big rock to like smash in Vuk's head because it's the nice thing to do. That's what they told him about his dog. But he can't do it. All of those promises you made to take care of her and to protect her and be her guardian angel. And he's just really not up to doing it. He walks away and tries to calm down and comes back and starts to unbury Vuk. And while he's doing it, he finds a hemalegia in Vuk's pocket. And just as he's pulling the necklace out, hear a gun cock and Soma is standing there looking very determined and she's got the gun pointed I'm assuming at Vuk but Alex is between the two and she's get out of my way Alex and he's trying to talk her down and she repeats herself and Alex has turned them over to the police he calls her mouse again and then proceeds to talk about how he wants to go home with her but if she shoots Vuk Alex can't go home with her. it's not who he is and he does manage to gently take the gun away from her. So she must care about him because he's everything she's gone through in, you know, that. So who knows why he seems like such a tool. He <laughs> well, belittles her all the time. Yes, but did she ever have a boyfriend before? Anyone that gave her any attention? It's funny because he gently takes the gun away from her and then he walks away over to the body and just tosses the gun on the ground. And I'm like. That is a loaded, cocked gun. You just <laughs> threw the ground, you moron. It would have been funny if it hit a landmine at that point. She, As he's walking away, she's just standing there, and she is simmering. She is so pissed off, and it's another long shot. Just you seeing how mad and how hard she is trying to get over this desire to end this guy. But she walks over to where Alex is trying to help Vuk up. She kneels down next to them, and Alex is talking about moving Vuk to the stretcher, and he walks away to go get the stretcher. And Vuk looks up at Selma and says, Little mouse, maybe it was me who killed your family. And then Vuk spits. And then we get to again, You got a question. Did he say that? Or is that in her mind? There's a lot of places where that's questionable based on the rest of the movie. I said there's a lot of times in this movie you were going to love it because you're wondering, is she just crazy or is this actually happening? We cut to Alex, who's standing over against a tree, catching his breath. And then you hear this sound. What is a large rock coming down on skull over and over again? It was a good sound. I identified it pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know. But here we are again. Selma is doing what Alex could not. Right. Whether or not Vuk actually said that. Still, she is actually following through with what Alex was poised to do with the rock over his head. He just couldn't bring himself to do it. Alex begins to back away, and now Selma is the blurred figure. She has become Lahatsima. And she's calling out to Alex, saying she had to do it. And he turns his back and starts to walk away, ignoring her pleas. She calls to him once more, and he turns and yells at her, and then boom! The landmine that he stepped on goes off. Yeah. I knew landmines were going to come back. (laughs) Yeah. And then the movie seamlessly goes from that reality to a flashback of this girl walking through a park. She is meeting Alex in the park. They're hanging out with a bunch of other college friends. He's talking on the phone, trying to find one of his other friends. And while he's talking on the phone, there's an explosion. And he turns and head backs because the explosion came from where his friends were. And everyone's running around chaotically and panicking. And amidst all of that, there's a blurred image of Selma standing there with a gun and then roll credits. Yeah. End of the movie. So that ending again, what exactly was that ending? It, it, it I took, I, I thought about it in, in multiple ways. Was that what Alex was remembering as he was blowing up at the end? Was that, what really happened and everything else in the movie was a fever dream of some sort, or was that in the middle of the war and he wasn't really German or whatever that 
he's imagining. Wow. I interpreted that. I thought of multiple interpretations that could have been, or they, or everybody was a ghost. Those were people killed already uh, in the war. That's crazy. Uh, I just automatically went to this is his flashback. She's not even in it. The right. girl he meets isn't her. He calls somebody. It's not her. This is from before he even knew her. So this is like his life flashing before his eyes That's, as he yeah. dies on the floor. floor. But again, that, that was my take. But yours well, sound really interesting. This was a film class in college, we probably would have gotten even more interpretations what they want you to do. But yeah. that's what the filmmaker did and created was that what's really going on everywhere. So yeah. it's, it's done. This would be a great movie for a film. class. <laughs> it would be. And to harken back to the beginning at the start, you have Selma and the forest, both these beautiful, seemingly innocent things. And then here at the end, it turns out they're not beautiful. They're ridiculously deadly. Yes. It's just a hidden, it's hidden behind this facade of innocence and, and neutrality. That's really not there. And, and also it just made me think you saying that it's also showing the difference between she may have grown up in what looked like a nice place, but wasn't. Whereas he was in modern society and it turns out it's not a nice place because something happened there. Again, yeah. what really was that happened? Yeah. I, it, I also thought was did he not I thought this was like after did he not die and she came back to get revenge on him. Ooh. Yeah, no, I did I, not to discount your theory. You did argue that's not that's, that's not at all how I saw it, but no, right. Yeah, I guess it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, Although, it, it wasn't clear. Yeah, it's super ambiguous at the end. And it's not one of those ambiguity kind where lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. <laughs> Love that movie. Yeah. At the end of the movie, you don't know if the guys got away with it or if all the money went in the river. So it he Guy Ritchie ends it there purposely so you as the viewer can decide the ending of the story. Yeah. I think the ambiguity in this one is much more ephemeral. It's not like an either or this or that. It's here's what happened, and now you decide why it happened. It also depends on what you, your take on the rest of the movie is. If it's just a political statement about the war, it could be one thing. And if it's a, a revenge story, or if you take the supernatural, and it's also, which is great. Yep. Love it that way. So, so many layers in there. <laughs> yeah. That was the mouse. And and we didn't mention this at the beginning. I, I happened to see when I was looking things up, this movie actually made some pretty good money, didn't it? Compared to its budget, I believe it did. I don't know that it had a huge circulation, but right. where it showed in a lot of festivals. Got and it, it did it, quite well in those. And he won some awards, so that's good. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, the budget on this couldn't have been too high because there's not much in the way of effects you know it's like la casa um muerta muta Muta, yeah uh a lot like that yeah i don't know that it was that cheap but still pretty close (laughs) they had had two more that's right and they had two other actors instead of four they had six this time okay cool our next movie will not at all be ambiguous (laughs) our next movie oh uh the visitation in this movie is her visiting her whole old home. Ah, got it. Okay, good. In our next movie, we'll be visiting a tourist attraction in the absolutely wonderful, non-ambiguous, certainly not art house film, Hatchet. Now you like challenge me to, to point out areas where it's like an art house movie. So we will <laughs> turn it into one. <laughs> it's Okay, again, I'm not going to get into it. Not now. When we discuss it, I'll, I'll go into why I love this movie. Okay. I, I take it as probably not a like intelligent talking hatchet. No, no, not at all. No. <laughs> all right. And in fact, to let you know, it's one of those movies that it came out and I think they made two or three more after it. Wow. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, Looking man. forward to it. Yeah, yeah, we'll try and get it here soon. All right. Take it easy. slips from perception. Pay attention. It will rise again.